We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in the ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. start this week and I just want to talk about that we made the change obviously Mitch's performance was a component of the decision but not the only component of the decision and I just want to be really clear there when you make a quarterback change you're really sensitive uh, to that component of it because I don't want to dump the responsibility of what transpired at, at Mitch's feet and so in an effort to be better in an effort to score more points, in an effort to move the ball more fluidly, we decided to go to Kenny in, in the hopes that he would provide a spark for us. You know, we felt that not only in terms of our ability to move the ball, but just in terms of energy. And so hopefully we have no reservations about what Kenny is going to be capable of in terms of our schematics. Obviously, we have a level of concern about the environment we're taking them into, but, you know, you have a a level of concern about any quarterback that you take into that environment versus that defense and that vision. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Rock Pile Report podcast. I'm your host, Bill, season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. And that was Mike Tomlin from his presser at Steelers.com talking about Kenny Pickett as the team's week five starter. Oh, boy. He's, he's in for... Uh... He's in for a lot this week, this week uh, coming to Buffalo. Dude, check out my week I have. So if you guys are listening to this the day it came out Thursday, Jessica and I going to be down at Helium. Shane Gillis. Oh, you got tickets to that? Yeah, it's all sold out. I know. Yeah, we got tickets to Shane Gillis. Going to Shane Gillis. We'll be at the game Sunday. The ball. And then next Thursday, Sabres home opener. That's a week, sir. Yeah. That is a great week. The young bull, Shane Gillis, huh? Yeah. God. Yeah, all five shows sold out at Helium. 
I've I've listened to so I'll only listen to Rogan when he has comedians on. And I think it was when he had he had Sam Morrill on and he had somebody else on this past week and he's done it twice in a month. Just mentioned Shane Gillis has this bit on George Washington. That's all I'll say. <laughs> and he's he's hyped it up twice, so I'm like that's what I'm looking forward to tomorrow night going to Shane Gillis. Now I listened to his podcast. He's talked about it a little bit. It's gonna be it's gonna I think you're gonna like it. What I've heard about it, I think you're gonna dig it. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I don't wanna I don't wanna spoil it for you though. I could give you a preview afterwards, but instead I'd rather just help you walk through week five, the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Buffalo Bills. The time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the place, Ralph Wilson Stadium in Orchard Park, New York. The weather's going to be like a balmy 55. But it's sunny. Slight wind, only partly cloudy. Tell me that that is not elite fall weather. It is. It's going to be fun. The line is the Bills minus 14, our biggest margin of the 2022 season. On the call. We get the A crew, Jim Nansen, Tony Romo. Now, Chris, why would they give us the A crew for this game? Because the 425 is uh, games that's on Fox, like the main game. Fox late is uh, Dallas at L.A. So Fox has that. Burkhart and Olsen, so CBS does not have, uh, you know, they don't have that game of the week at 425. That's when you get Nance and Romo. So they put them on 1 o'clock, Pittsburgh and Buffalo. So if there isn't any other games, well, I mean, who you, gets boxed out? Like, who? So, so if there isn't a 4 o'clock game on CBS, does some crew well, no, just there not is, have there's to work? There's a 4 o'clock game on CBS, but it's not, it's not a game of the week. So how did they pick this one out of all the C like out of all the one PM games that CBS has? How did they? There was no other more compelling game. You got Miami and New York Chargers and Browns, uh, Titans and Commanders or Redskins, Texans and Jaguars, and then uh, 49ers Panthers. Those are the games that are in the San Francisco Carolina game is the only late game on CBS. <sighs> I guess I guess this is the most compelling game, right? Yeah, it's uh, a lot of the middle of America gets that game. Yeah, I bet they do. Because, I mean, right now, Josh Allen, like, that's the show, isn't it? What's well, the best? That's the whole it's, damn show. It, it would have probably been Miami and New York if Tua was playing. That's fair. Because then you have Tua versus Zach Wilson. Okay, I buy that. The injury kind of throws a wrench in things. I'm yeah. willing to hear that. Notable injuries. <sighs> Starting with the Pittsburgh Steelers, you have edge defender J.J. Watt, who is out on the IR. You have rookie wide receiver Kelvin Austin out, also on the IR. I think they are still waiting to open his 21-day practice window. Cornerback two, Akella Weatherspoon, out with a hamstring injury. Cornerback one, Cam Sutton, is questionable with groin and hamstring injuries. Safety Terrell Edmonds, Tremaine's brother, questionable with a concussion. Defensive tackle Cam Hayward and safety Minka Fitzpatrick, both questionable with knee, ankle, and elbow injuries. The last two are likely to play, but by Tomlin's own admission, they're going to need to be quote-unquote managed 
throughout the week, which means you're probably going to see do not you know, DMPs and limited tags on them for most of the week. Hayward is admittedly playing through these injuries due to the circumstances. And kind of like our own Gabe Davis, isn't nearly the player we know he can be. And that's a damn shame because Hayward plays a throwback style of football that I love watching. Like, he's a beast. He hits people. He talks trash. He makes tough football plays. No matter what football uniform you're wearing when you play that style of ball, I like watching it. And the Buffalo Bills. I, it's probably just faster. Players who are questionable, Chris, I mean, we, we could go down the list, but it's everybody, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I'm, what, Dawson Knox, Jordan Poyer, Isaiah McKenzie, Tremaine Edmonds, Mitch Morse, Jake Kumaro, Jordan Phillips, Justin Murray, Ed Oliver, Christian Benford. Wow. A lot of names. Now, look at Jordan Phillips and Oliver, they've missed the last two games. The team has seemed to do well without them, correct? Yeah, we have. Wide receivers Isaiah McKenzie and Jay Kumaro, questionable. Gabe Davis is probably going to have an easy week being limited. Mm-hmm. I would love to see them find a way to bench Gabe Davis for this game and just give him a week to get healthy. Now, I know that... That's not how football works. Like, obviously, he's going to push to get out there. Obviously, the team wants him if he's available, but he hasn't really been that useful Well hobbled. So with that in mind, I just I don't see a value in rushing him out there. And I just, I, barring a setback in practice, he should be available. But again, this is one of those games where you almost question, should we shut him down? I don't think we should. I mean, we're already thin at wide receiver with Crowder's. What he's on ice? He's he's done for the year. Crowder. I, I well, at first it was hey he's on IR. It's murky, but the more news comes out, it sounds like he might just be done. Okay, yeah, you got Crowder, McKenzie, which is funny because it actually came. I was bitching about him. I was like, I want somebody. I was like, please elevate another punt returner. I need mm-hmm. somebody who gives me something because he's not. Uh, I, I was arguing for Tavon Austin, and I, I was just saying, listen, at least, like, if anybody can safe punt a bunch of times a game and not run backwards to the middle of the field and cost me five yards on a punt return, like, Tavon Austin can go back there and do what Micah Hyde did last year and just fair catch everything. Tavon Austin could do that and still give me exactly what I've gotten from Jameson Crowder on offense. Like it's the same thing. They're, 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 it's like that uh, the office thing where it's like, oh, corporate wants you to find the difference between these two photos. They're the same photo. Yeah. Jameson Crowder, Tavon Austin, like you were so little for me then that I don't care how much this guy can't produce an offense because you didn't do anything either. I'm not losing. And literally, as I was arguing with Rock Sports Network's uh, Ryan Lacell about that, is when the injury got announced and he goes, well, Drew, see what you did? You jerk. He goes, this is your fault. Yeah, uh, Kumaro, Crowder, and McKenzie all might not play. If Gabe Davis is healthy enough to go, then we're going to need him. I don't want him sitting out and then who would be two, Shakir? I don't know. I don't know. Does it matter? No, it doesn't. (laughs) No, it does, but... I'm being flip, but also, 
It's my podcast. I can do whatever the hell I want. <laughs> so, is it crazy to think that it's week five and we're going to be attending just our second f- like home football game of the season? Yeah. It's it little- seems weird. It seems excessive. What, is is it weird that we're only going to our second home game, or is it weird that it's a one o'clock game? Yeah, because now we're good. We'll, we'll get more primetime games, and you know, well, depending on how the season works out, what When's game, the last what time? games are going to get flat? We're going to get flexed. When's the last time, Chris, that you you've only been a season ticket holder with us for a few years? Yeah. When's the last time you could say that before November 1st, you've only been to one 1 p.m. Bills game? Probably never. Yeah. This is crazy. It's a weird place to be. I don't like it. But at least that you're at least you're going to be there to see this one. Well, yeah. Well, it's it's better to it's better to have the schedule that we have with what's portrayed on the field because if we had the schedule in 2015 where we have a majority oh, no. of home games on the back end and we're already out of it then you don't want to go then you're reselling your tickets for under the cost that you pay for them i'm not reselling anything instead i'm, I'm instead i'm stuck standing next to drunk browns fans who paid ten dollars for their ticket and are sleeping they're sleeping laying down on the benches all right, don't. I'm not gonna get all fun. There's no diatribe here. I'm excited about this tailgate. We are gonna have a, a pretty great crowd for this tailgate. I'm excited about it. Jake and his wife, who we talked about in our recap podcast, for being at Baltimore, they're making the trek up here to watch this game. It's always a pleasure. I always like just knowing that there's people out there who appreciate us. Lauren and her husband. Lauren C., who had the moss joke, her husband, you all know her on Twitter, they're coming to the tailgate. Probably my favorite, Terry White. <laughs> Terry White, the Brit, who we occasionally, like, we, we talk about it here, or at least we allude to it here on the podcast. His DMs never cease to amaze me because he listens to our podcasts when they come out. Which, given the six-hour time difference, is what, Chris? If we release them at 9 o'clock at night? Yeah. That's... Then, like... uh, So when I'm sleeping, he's listening to it. It's his morning. Yeah. I think there were times last year where... Because last year when we did it on Tuesdays, I released one of them, and then I'd go to work, and then I'd... We'd have a DM at three o'clock in the morning from Terry White. <laughs> and this is the best. His post podcast listen DMs have taught me an incredible number of things that I'd never know otherwise. Like the fact that England has an extensive classification system for cookies and I put them in quotes, biscuits, some of which are actually regulated by law as to what you can refer to them as. That's Cookie insane. law. Chris. Doesn't that sound like Mark's dream job? Yeah, probably. Cookie <laughs> law. Like, short of representing podcasts, cookie law sounds like Mark's dream job. Yeah, I wouldn't. I'm not a fan of, I guess, what would be considered a biscuit, like a biscotti. Those are shit. Bis- it's just a dry. But, but yeah, it's just a dry cookie. What it is is it's a cement cookie. 
is what it is. In fact, can we can we run this down right now since we're talking trash? Uh, biscottis are crap. Yes. Uh, anybody eating them, you're just trying too hard to be fancy. They're like, well, you have to take it with tea and you have to dip it in the tea. I'll throw that tea in your face. I don't need anything. If, yeah, you, if you're if you can't give me a cookie and I can't put it in my mouth, I don't need to eat it. You know what's going to happen now? What? Sunday morning, <laughs> Mark Smith will have biscottis. <laughs> no. Uh, well, I was going to say Milano's. Yeah. Milano's are good. Milano's are good. Yeah, that's it, a good cookie. Mark, if you if Mark does bring biscottis. Um, I don't even know what a scone is supposed to be, but also if you bring them near me, I'll fling them like a frisbee. Yeah, that and biscottis. If Mark brings biscottis, you can, depending where you park for the game, you might walk through lot one and find biscottis on the ground because <laughs> we'll just fire them over the fence. <laughs> and then you, you son of a bitch, Chris is in our group chat about the tailgaters. We're talking about menu planning. He brings up that. Now, Chris, if you don't know, and you're planning on attending our tailgate at 5330 Big Tree Road in Orchard Park, New York. Mud lot. Over in the mud lot, it's going to be a perfect balmy fall day. Opportunity to come spend the morning with all of us over here in the mud lot. Anybody who wants to show up, just catch up over a few beers, talk a little trash, have some great tailgate eats. Stop by, say hi. Chris is a dip connoisseur. Chris is actually a savant when it comes to dip. And I don't know how, because you're just finding your way in barbecue. I don't know what else you can cook. I mean, I, I've seen, I've watched you cook bacon in an oven once, and I've seen you salmon oven salmon. Yeah, which to me is hack because anybody can put it in the oven. You got to grill it or cook it in a pan. You got to give me something. Got to give me a little skill there. But when it comes to dip, there's nobody I know who can touch Chris. He's gourmet with his dips. You want to know what's for? <laughs> So when you're, I you're, hear Chris talk about how well we're playing the Steelers, and he Chris has this thing where he likes to pair dips with the city we're playing, he goes, have you ever seen El Tuna Pizza? I'll make an El Tuna Pizza dip. And I had to tell him that I will brother Bill both you and that fucking dip over the fence. <laughs> if you don't know what El Tuna Pizza is, Google it and then send us an angry DM. Yeah, you can do that. <laughs> it's essentially a pizza with Kraft Singles on top. I'll, oh, the fire that I will light. <laughs> it's no. my own equipment. I'll set it on fire. I, the, I get the dip for Sunday is like, a, I don't know, it's like a cheese and meat sauce dip. Whatever it is, I'm sure it'll be great. Because I'm, well, this I'm, is, I'm only, I don't give you credit for much. You kill it. Well, I'm only saying that because it might have been last week, Jessica was like, Hey, if I make chili, will you eat it? <laughs> and I said, if you put beans in it, I won't eat it. <laughs> and she put beans in it? No, she just made chili with no beans. All right. So it's essentially like a meat sauce. Almost like a Skyline chili topping. If I taste an ounce of nutmeg, I will, again, I will I don't frisbee it. There's going to be some poor soul walking across the mud lot just going to meet his friends who's going to get a face full of chili. I'll text I'll text her right, yeah, right you now. You figure it out. But, folks, DM us if you're interested in joining our tailgate. We'll put the map out on Twitter this week. Chris, we're talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers. We're doing this again? Really? I mean, I mean this. In a league that has rotating divisional opponents and swaps the team that you play against from 
odd divisions by standings, right? Like, if if we're going to pick an opponent from an opposite division, we're going to pick one that finished where you finished. Like, if it doesn't fall in the algorithm of, like, swapping... We finish first in the AFC East, then the next year we're going to play every first-place team in the AFC, depending on what division they were in. I guess that makes sense, but it just seems improbable, right? Like, the odds of us playing the playing the Steelers for a fourth consecutive season are about as improbable as you somehow landing your girlfriend slash landlord in the first place. Yeah. I bet I bet a 12-pack of Seagrams because I didn't think you could pull it off. Yeah. I mean, well, we're playing the Steelers based on this is our season to play the AFC North, so it doesn't have to do with the division factor of them also but a fourth consecutive year when's the last time we played a team four years in a row uh i don't know probably kansas city this is year three this is year three we'll play them again next year it's strange because we share a lot of ties with pittsburgh which come up on every single broadcast i think like over the course of like if you're watching it at home McDermott and Tomlin were defensive teammates at uh, William & Mary. Bill's middle linebacker, Tremaine Edmonds, his brothers with Steelers safety, Terrell Edmonds. And they see each other every single time we play. The Steelers signed longtime Bill's cornerback Levi Wallace this offseason in free agency after Buffalo failed to offer him a contract. Former Bills backup Mitch Trubisky was supposed to be the starter until he shat the bed in a way that was usually reserved for nursing homes and has been replaced by the rookie, as you heard at the top of the show. The worst part about these matchups is that they've always ended up being these tightly contested rock fights of games. 2019, the Bills needed two consecutive fourth quarter interceptions to close out the game and prevent a Duck Hodges comeback. Do you remember the, the, the Duck Hodges movement? How could you not? PFF said he was a better quarterback than Josh Allen. And then he went to the CFL. <laughs> one of them got a top flight contract, and one of them is playing football in Canada somewhere. In 2020, the Bills were being outclassed by the Steelers for most of the first half. And then Big Ben gave up the lead with this disgusting pick six to Teron Johnson. And then Stephon Diggs came out of the locker room hell-bent on fighting everybody and just took over the second half. And in 2021, the Bills had the lead and then flubbed and fumbled away a winning, just like a winnable game in one of the most deflating home openers I can remember. Like, what was the home opener in 2019? Let me look at it here. You pull that up. I remember the 2018 home opener. Uh, Swenson was in town. We went out to dinner with him. He was too hungover to make it to our tailgate, You know, him and his Australian crew. They went over to the Hammers lot because they were going to hang out with Stevie Johnson and that crowd. And we got blown out by this. That was the game where Sean McDermott demoted Leslie Frazier and took over defensive play calling duties. And everyone was like, well, that's it. Leslie Frazier is going to quit at the end of the year because the coach doesn't trust him. All right, I remember this home opener. Played the Bengals September 22nd. Hugo was here for this game. Yeah. That's right. The ter- the uh, Trey White pick six off uh, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, like, volleyballed the ball in the air on the final game-winning drive for Cincinnati. Yeah, it was close, there was an, except there was no pick six. No, not pick six. The game ends on an interception. It's a Trey White pick, ends yep. the game. 
I remember that. Hugo was here for it. Yeah, I do remember that. So that was the most deflating home opener under Sean McDermott of my entire life. And the reason that these games have been so close, I mean, there's a multitude of reasons. I mean, the, the fact that Mike Tomlin remains a great coach, regardless of what these fringe lunatics of the Steelers fan base might think. The fact that our teams during that span have had m- basically mediocre offensive lines trying to match up with a really ferocious Pittsburgh front seven that have just a ton of talent, elite talent, and attacking game plans. And the fact that neither quarterback in, involved in either of those, any of the previous games was able to show a high level of play for four full quarters. So keeping all of that in mind, one of the craziest things about this game is that the Bills are somehow not only massive favorites, but that the Steelers are the biggest underdogs they've been as a franchise since they were 13 and a half point dogs to the Cowboys for Super Bowl 30 back in 1996. Chris, I asked you before we started recording today. I said, the last some, time? I said somewhere between Terry Bradshaw retiring and them getting Bill Cower. So they got Bill Cower. They went to the Super Bowl. It was his Super Bowl loss. Yeah, they get there. They're 13 and a half point dogs and they covered that spread. And I think that's notable, right? Because it proves no matter how bad you think a team is, 13 and a half is a lot of fucking points. See that on the screen there? What do you got there? The last time a Pittsburgh Buffalo game was more than two touchdowns was 21 years ago. (laughs) September 30th, we lost to the Steelers 20 to (laughs) three. See, that doesn't surprise me. Like yeah. if it would to be to be the other way would be more shocking. It really would. Yeah, well, I mean we've won two of the last three, so So now we're gonna do this again. And maybe this time things will be a little easier. Maybe, maybe not. Let's dig into it a little bit. Wait. Update. No nutmeg in that chili. Oh, thank God. <laughs> See, I this is why I like your girlfriend. Because I swear to God, if I tasted nutmeg, I'd fight everybody. <laughs> I'd turn into Chris Farley in that restaurant where he just loses it and starts choking people. Yeah. On defense, I think we've all gotten used to this idea that the Steelers, because you picture what the Steelers kind of ethos is. It's this rough defensive team every single year that's able to put together game plans keep themselves in most games where their defense just smothers everybody and gives their team a puncher's chance of victory no matter who they're playing and how poor their offense might be. How much of that stigma comes from the steel curtain years, Chris? I think all of it does. Okay. How about the fact that they've had both TJ Watt and Cam Hayward on the same roster for at least the last six, seven years? And that the Steelers could just out-pressure most teams. (laughs) Like, what's how big of a role does that play? Um, you know, you should ask Hmm. somebody that knows football. (laughs) I don't know why you would ask me that. (laughs) Well, why I'm asking that is because don't you think that that's what we're seeing the Bills do now? All of a sudden, our defensive line is just smothering teams and. In games where you think that, hey, our secondary is green, they're under-talented, it doesn't matter because that front seven is doing so much work. We've had a good front seven for 
a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, yeah, players, the players change in that position. You know, we had the cold front, and even before that, you know, we had Aaron mm-hmm. Schobel, who was the yeah the great white hope. Yeah, he was like the light of the worst Bills teams you could think of. So I guess the point is, is that when you look at the way that the Steelers have won historically. <sighs> You you get used to seeing like we're playing the Steelers. This is going to be a tough game. A look at them statistically right now wouldn't leave you conjuring up those same juggernaut Steelers teams by a long shot. They're twenty first in pass yards allowed, eighteenth in passing touchdowns allowed, twenty fourth in rushing yards allowed, and twenty third in fourth quarter scoring allowed. That's all bad, isn't it? Yep. It's all pretty terrible. And then you realize that they rank where, like, they rank in these places playing Mac Jones, Jacoby Brissett, and Zach Wilson with no offensive tackles. Yikes. That's a shit show. (laughs) That's a who's who of who's irrelevant in the AFC hierarchy. They have yet to play an elite quarterback, and they are statistically in the basement. When you dig into it and you listen to Steelers podcasters, you read some of the blogs, and you watch some of their most pivotal plays, both positive and negative, you get a sense of how and why they match up and don't with the Bills in this game. Their secondary is in a lot of trouble. And it starts up front. Because as we talked about, they've always been a byproduct of having a tough rugged defensive line. Think about the Steelers teams you know throughout history. Joey Porter, James Harrison. Uh, who, yeah. who was their uh, nose tackle who picked up that fumble in the Super Bowl against the uh, Cardinals and ran it back like 80 yards and then had to sit on an oxygen mask for 20 minutes? You mean the interception? Was it an interception? Yeah, James Harrison intercepted Kurt Warner at the goal line Okay, and then ran it back. I think he scored on it. I don't think he did score, but he came close. Who's the nose tackle that Casey Hampton? Casey Hampton was just a just a mountain of a human being who you couldn't move. They had, and they when when their teams have been good, they've had these massive, just immovable objects in the in their front seven. And when you look at the production, they have ten sacks through four games, which isn't anything to sneeze at. Buffalo has thirteen. And we're talked about as having one of the best defensive lines in football. And uh, their outside linebacker, Alex Highsmith, already has five and a half. The most of anybody playing in the game on Sunday. As a team, they have one more pressure than Buffalo does this season. So in theory and on paper, the team is doing just as well as Buffalo has been in terms of pass rush. So you question what the hell is going on here. Short story, T.J. Watt isn't around to make superhuman plays. Minka Fitzpatrick can't be everywhere, and he's getting very little help from anybody behind him. Let's start in the middle of the defense. Last week, Ken McCusick, who really truly is one of my favorite guests to do preview shows with, talked to us about how their linebackers, Patrick Queen and uh, I forget the other gentleman's name, were just out-and-out liabilities in coverage. (laughs) He said Patrick Queen plays football like he thinks he's got like satellite overwatch and there's just a laser that's going to no 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 the NASA's watching the things that get past me it'll be fine and he just forgets they exist so can i point out that i was right were you right 
James Harrison, 100-yard interception return to end the half. Look at that. You were correct, sir. Yeah. You were correct. I'll give you your due. For a guy who doesn't know football, you knew that one. Can we... Can we... Uh, this has got to be like a Tarantino thing to give a correction out in the future. So tomorrow when you guys... When anybody... Whenever you guys get the AFC's roundup, because we're definitely going to get some DMs about it or tweets of how you were wrong. The Bills Titans game from nineteen, it was fourteen to seven was the final, so it wasn't a. You think you said like four or five point difference, and the guy missed five field goals. He missed four field goals. Either way, you shouldn't be missing four field goals in a game. <laughs> but we, yeah, we got to get that out, get the correction out, so nobody. DMs us. I don't care if they do. Come at me. I don't care. Chris, no one who listens to this podcast thinks I give a shit. Yeah. Come at me with your critique. What I'll do is I'll give you an explanation of all the ways I I care, but I don't. I say what I say. I take my shots where I take them. So we're talking about the Steelers linebackers. Ken McCusick goes on to say, these guys are bad. And did that or did that not come to fruition down the stretch for their defense? Yeah, especially in the second half when it matters. So the Steelers linebackers are just as bad. They just have less draft pedigree to their credit. Like, they're the same version of bad. Robert Spillane, Miles Jack, and Devin Bush. In fact, actually, I take that back. Don't they have more? Devin Bush was a first-round pick. Same way Patrick Queen was, I believe. Miles Jack, first-round or second-round pick. No, because I remember being surprised he fell to the second round. Robert Spillane, I don't know where the hell he came from, but people used to bitch and complain about Tremaine Edmonds not making enough plays, and then the Bills put a quality defensive line in front of him, and now he's showing off, and people are excited. They're like, oh my God, look at Tremaine Edmonds. He's flashing. He's this. He's that. The inverse is happening to this group. The defensive line talent and just the health of the guys in front of him has deteriorated to a point that they're no longer protected. And now you're starting to see who they are as pros. Like, there's a reason Jacksonville let Miles Jack walk. Right? Yeah. If he was a truly game-changing player, you would pay that guy. They chose not to. Spillane and Bush are allowing 12.7 yards per reception. Miles Jack and Robert Spillane are allowing more than 70% completion against Bush is the team's worst-rated cover player, with Spillane not far behind him. <laughs> if you don't have a ton of pass rush threats, the Steelers, like, they've been forced to play more zone defense, relatively soft zone defense, and teams have exploited them in the seams and on crossers just right in front of their dumb faces. And it makes sense. Because you're now trying to take a defense that's supposed to be built on an attacking mentality. We're a front seven that's supposed to come downhill and avalanche over the top of you and let our safeties. Like, Minka Fitzpatrick, the reason he's been impactful is because that front seven disrupts an offense and quarterbacks feel pressure to get the ball out quick. They make poor choices. Minka Fitzpatrick comes in and mops up. Well... They're not doing that now. Now they're, they're opting to take a more conservative approach, and what you're finding out is that that's, that's a bad fit for the style of team you've built here, right? Yeah. You can't ask them to do this because they're not cover guys. They're rush guys. They're, hey, we'll cover the flats, 
But I'm Miles Jack. I'm supposed to be either blitzing or playing the run or covering a flat. I you don't ask me to play a nickel zone roll. This is a bad idea. You could augment that by throwing safety help to the linebackers, kind of like how we did with Poyer to just make sure that Mark Andrews had no stats last Sunday. But the Steelers' safeties are banged up, and they're getting kept busy by the fact that the the corners on the outside just aren't getting the job done. So it's this it's this is avalanche Le- is of Levi, bad news. Is Levi there one or two? He was their third string, but with Witherspoon out, he has to play. All right, so now that'll be that'll Cortland be, Sutton might be out too. That'll be fun to watch Levi go against uh, either Gabe Davis or if he has to Stephon Diggs in a uh, action. Cam Sutton, excuse me, Cortland Sutton is the wide receiver for yeah. the uh, Broncos. Yeah, you don't want to give out misinformation. Yeah, no, 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 not on this podcast. <laughs> misinformation. Jesus. No, it's going to be interesting to fake see. News. <laughs> yeah, fake news. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how those matchups work because of all the times in practice that they went against each other. Well, 100%, I mean, because we know Levi Wallace. He's a zone corner by trade. Do you remember back in 2019, the Bills would pull him off the field and put Kevin Johnson on anytime they wanted to blitz because they knew that Levi Wallace couldn't hold up in man coverage. They just didn't trust him to even attempt it. And down the stretch in the final 13 seconds of that Kansas City game, no one on the Bills' sideline trusted Levi to stay in a wide receiver's hip pocket. So they just played this absurd soft coverage. His numbers aren't terrible, but you go back to the New England game. Nelson Aguilar and Jacoby Myers caught multiple firsts at four first downs, 60 yards, and a 66% completion percentage from Mac Jones. Then he played 100% of the... He led the team. Levi Wallace led the team in snaps on defense against the Jets. And can you take a look, Witherspoon out, Cam Sutton hurt. Like, we're going to get a healthy dose of Levi Wallace. So, man defense and pass rush is supposed to be what the Steelers do. It's how they're built. But injuries have robbed them of that. And now they're stuck playing conservative zone schemes to slow down their opponents. And it's about a poor of a fit as the time Chris got cast in this TV show as the macho guy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
No. Or, or at least the lead. Well, like you were supposed to be like the independent, like strong male lead. No. No, 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 no. It was a TV show called Life in the ATL. I still have the uh, <laughs> the original script. I want you to walk our listeners through this. I mean, I'm pretty sure we've talked about it before on the uh, on the podcast, but no, I I from uh, Craig's <laughs> the new people in the yeah, back. I this is when I was doing this is when I was trying to do entertainment in any capacity, and I was on Craigslist, and I found a <laughs> ad a ad for a, a TV show. I'd never been to an audition before, and I went to a church to audition because the show is called Life in the ATL and it was like essentially I don't know something like a let's say like a real world or uh, Laguna Beach a Laguna one Beach of those ATL <laughs> one of those MTV shows that were it's like that but it, make it all Christian and, and Bible-y so yeah I did and I was I got cast as uh one of the seven main characters and I was the I had to play a high school student and I was the athlete of the group. You were the athlete, the I jock did, of I, the, the group. The jock of the group. I did uh I did all the sports. And what was, was your character's name? So I got to change my character's name because it was listed as Cameron. And so what I did was I went to I don't know. Is Rivals.com still a thing? Mm-hmm. So I went to Rivals.com, and I looked at two of the top five quarterbacks in high school, and I just took their name, two first names. There's, There it is, Drew Bailey. <laughs> he named himself Drew in a pilot, and now he's doing a podcast with me. Yeah, I fucking. I wish it. I still had the. Pi- I love this. I wish I still had the pilot. I, I had. I, had Dude, a- I would give. I would give a lot of things. I'm not gonna say sell my firstborn because Jack's pretty cool, but also I'd give up a lot of shit to get yeah. my hands on that tape. Well, it's not a tape. It was on a. It was on a CD. Oh boy! And then it broke in my glove box. I would. I we mean, have to find this. We have to scour the globe until we find the man who has this on a hard drive. Well, somewhere. I know. I know who has. It. I know. I can find the director and the creator of the show. And, and folks, I've tried. Stay I've, tuned. I've tri- Drew Gear is going to shake the monkey tree and see if I can't get us. I've, oh, the Twitter content I've, will be, as the kids say, lit. I've tried a bunch of times to message him on the internet. Yeah, because you're going about it the wrong way. You threaten him. No. You don't no. ask. You you make threats. That's no. how you get things done. No. But, I mean, it was. it's only a pilot. I only have, I think, three. I don't think I only had three scenes in the pilot. Don't care. Because it's... I got to see it. I got to see this. <laughs> I mean, it's a pilot episode, so... You, Folks, tweet at us if you want me to get violent enough to go track this guy down and just shake the shake the the show out of him so that I can condense it and put it on Twitter for everyone's consumption in two minutes or less. Tweet at us at Rock Pile Report. Let us hear it. But so obviously the Steelers have weapons at their disposal. I mean, it's crazy that Highsmith has five and a half sacks through four weeks. That's production. But by and large, they're going to have a tough time rolling out a defense that's capable of stealing a game in Buffalo like they did the last time they were here, just due to attrition. Do you remember the last time they were here? 
Darrell Williams got worked by T.J. Watt. Yeah, yeah, T.J. Watt's not here. A year after he shut him down on primetime, Darrell Williams got worked. And it, it was games like that that paved the way to Spencer Brown being given a starting position. So with it in mind, without him here, with Cam Hayward ailing, they just don't have the star power it's going to take to really disrupt. And it's going to change the way they play, which is going to open the door for everything else we want to do on offense. Now, speaking about their offense, this is where this whole podcast gets interesting. Not that we haven't, you know, talked about your ridiculous history and just dips. And Considering that the Steelers drafted Najee Harris in the first round to be a spark plug for their offense, and the fact that they're starting a rookie quarterback, you would probably think that they're going to come into this one trying to be a run-first play-action offense. And I think that that's a mistake. When you look at how they're built and what they have out there in front of them. Chris, through the first four games, the Steelers are 20th in the NFL in rushing attempts. Tied with Buffalo. So can you imagine the screaming that this fan base, like people bitch about, we want to... Chris, every draft season, you listen to Bills fans complain about wanting a running back, right? Yeah. Okay. Can you imagine how pissed those people would be if we spent a first-round pick on a running back and then didn't feature him in the offense? Yeah. What would that look like in your mind? Like, what would the whiner line sound like on WGR 550? Which, uh, honestly, I'm I'm thinking about creating our own. I would... Uh, I have an avenue for it. Should we do it, Chris? I would picture it to be you at the closing table of your house. Oh, yeah. It's bad. It's all bad. Ask my wife. It's not good. Considering all of their games have, except for one, have been single-score affairs without any garbage time passing, this lack of running the ball isn't because of game script. It's intentional, and it's been part of their game plan through four weeks. Now, a piece of that is because they trusted Trubisky's arm too much. But it's also because his run blockers, their offensive line is really underwhelming. There's only one guy, their left tackle, Okafor, who has a positive run block rating. When you look at the grades and how they're split, they're far more productive on zone blocking concepts than gap, which means they're not overly physical. They don't move you. They just run around in space and hope they can wall defenders off and kind of pave a lane for a running back to run behind them. That's going to be a problem if you're up against a front seven that, like ours that also has athletic linebacker play behind them, which I think everyone has had that they've played on their schedule, including the New York Jets. After watching the Ravens game, I'm pretty sure they're going to agree that that style of running is going to be difficult to execute this week against the Bills' front seven. And so I'm expecting to see them lean more into throwing the football than you might expect despite starting a rookie quarterback. And that's... Chris, we're going to have to talk about this. We have to. The smallest-handed quarterback in the NFL is going to come play a game in Buffalo, New York, Mr. Kenny Pickett. And for this, I have to open a fresh beer. What are what are his what is his hand size? Hand size is stupid. All right, it's a conversation. His hands are eight and a half inches. Mm. 
This is a conversation that I kind of compare to when people are trying to debate whether a hot dog is a sandwich or not. It's always being held by idiots. Always. Or by people with way too much time on their hands. I'm me, right? Like, it's me. I'm one of those idiots. I've wasted hours of people's lives with that question. I found all kinds of ways to defend my stance, including the fact that it's a conspiracy by Big Hot Dog, which, thanks to Meat VP, (laughs) we now know that the National Hot Dog Council is a thing, that it's a conspiracy to keep hot dogs from having to compete with real sandwiches on restaurants' menus where they would just be buried forever. No one would ever order a hot dog if it was lined up next to a Monte Cristo. It just wouldn't happen. But, like, it doesn't matter. Do you want to know the real answer to that question? Here it is. Who gives a shit? That is the answer to whether a hot dog is a sandwich or not. Are you hungry after you eat it? then who cares? Here's one for you. For anybody out there who likes these kind of questions or has that much time, Chris, if you put milk in a glass, what is it? It's a beverage, right? Yeah. But if you pour it over cereal, is it a sauce? So is milk a sauce or a beverage? I mean, if you can add other things to milk to thicken it up, and making it like strawberry sauce. syrup. <laughs> I don't know what kind of moron would do that. This is how stupid these conversations are. And that's how stupid the hand size conversation is. And I will never be convinced otherwise. Buffalo's own Western New York native Jake Dolagala has the, had the biggest hands ever recorded at the combine. He's never thrown an NFL pass. Kenny Pickett has the smallest. And he has an NFL passing touchdown to his credit. Like, life's weird. Fucking deal with it. But Kenny Pickett's so much more than just a small set of hands. Just ask any Steelers fan. When he took the field Sunday for the black and gold, their beat reporters were talking about, like, sitting in the box, said that you would have thought that they had been playing Renegade on repeat. That's how fired up the crowd was, watching Pickett do some of the most routine shit. Just, hey, he completed a five-yard dump off. (gasps) The Kenny Pickett era has Steelers fans on fire. And I get it. Like, Chris, if you took a quarterback in the first round, when Josh Allen finally stopped looking like a bum... Yeah. In 2018, when Josh Allen finally turned the corner and was just like, hey, uh, Jaguars, go fuck yourselves. (laughs) You were like, wait a minute. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. When he's destroying the Miami Dolphins in the final game of the season, like, I understand what it is to root for a guy who's not great, but also you're just excited about. Brett Coleman has a film room video that we're going to put in the show's description of his preseason play that started the Picket Hype Express rolling down the tracks. And uh, I, I really do think that there's a lot to be taken away from that in terms of what we can expect to see on Sunday. First of all, surprising athleticism and arm talent. First of all, small hands doesn't mean small size. He's six foot three, two thirty, which means he's basically an inch taller than Lamar Jackson is. Would you call Lamar Jackson a small quarterback? No. Okay. 
He has quick lateral agility and good musculature, which gives him this high-level ability to avoid pressure in the pocket. He's not on the same level as Allen, but he's better than Tannehill, Stafford, Tua, most of the other quarterbacks who we harassed the shit out of throughout the course of the season with our defensive front seven. So it's not a given that our pass rushers can rattle him into poor choices if we don't get home. He has a tight release. It's everything. His, his mechanics are compact, and he's efficient. So he just spins these quick little passes out there into the intermediate and kind of deeper windows with accuracy. In his video, Brett points out that Pickett's processing in terms of reads is really quick. And if the defense tips their hand pre-snap, as they tend to do in the preseason, and that's when he recorded this video, there's Chris, there's no game planning going on in the preseason. No. Not a lot of gamesmanship because you want to see what your own defensive players can just do scratch. Go out there and I want you to cover that wide receiver. Show me what you can do. Then we'll work on working you in and we can see how we can use you as a defense. Pickett showed multiple times that if he can figure out what the read is, pre, like if he can diagnose the defense pre-snap, he can cycle through his options quickly and effectively. He'll find players sinking into zones, manipulate defenders with his eyes, and then throw into the void where his player can get to the ball. It's one of the things Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and as you all know, locked on Bill's like savant, raved about Kenny Pickett in the pre-draft process, that he wasn't babied in college. This is a kid who was tasked with legitimately reading a full field, and you need to be cognizant of that. On Sunday against the Jets, you'd assume that a rookie would enter the game midway through and they would just play it safe, right, Chris? Yeah. Eh, we'll, we've got Najee Harris. We'll run the ball a bunch. We'll, we'll run a little play action, give him some short dump offs, scheme up, and try to win using yards after the catch. If you take a look at his passer chart, he had seven passes of 10 or more air yards versus just like three or four on short screens. Of those 10 and 20 yard passes, the only incompletion he had was an interception that wide receiver Chase Claypool absolutely could have fought harder for and kept from happening. So in order to pull this whole thing off, right, to yeah. have that kind of a game, you like, what was the stat, Chris? His first 13 passes didn't hit the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was the 13 of 13, 10 to the Steelers, three to the Jets. Okay. You've got to have a rapport established with your wide receivers. And in his video, Brett pointed out that even in the preseason, in the preseason, the backup quarterback had a better handle on the wide receivers and where they where they were comfortable and a better relationship with them in terms of playing football than anything Mitch Trubisky had been able to cultivate, which makes you question why the hell they started Trubisky in the first place. I mean, it's it's not unheard of that a team brings in a veteran and then a rookie beats him out. Didn't Russell Wilson do that to Matt Flynn? Yeah. That's important because these wide receivers have been dogging it the last few weeks. I mean, you go find any Steelers, again, podcast blogger, you find detritus aimed at the wide receiver core. And for good reason. They're either loafing or just not that talented. They've only had five drops. Pickens is a rookie. We'll give him two. Three drops for a, a wide receiver core through four games doesn't seem like a big deal, does it? No. But then you look at Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, a first-round draft pick and a, a guy who you just gave a fat contract to, 
four interceptions when targeted, and three of them have been literally pointed as the wide receiver's fault. Like, this comes from the espionation uh, behind the steel curtain, winners and losers, you know, just column that they do after every game. In the loss to the Jets, they gave Chase Claypool, stat line, no catches, no yards, two targets. I can't remember a player of of Claypool's stature or status, and I use those terms loosely, to be held without a catch. The zero catches is disturbing on all fronts, but Claypool's inability to really use his size to his advantage baffles me. It's almost like my buddy Doug Roloski, when we used to call him big for no reason. Like, Doug, still <laughs> you're, is. you're the biggest guy here. You're the least intimidating person in the room. Deontay Johnson, stat line, two catches, 11 yards, five and a half, four targets. Deontay Johnson wanted a big payday, and he got what many feel was fair compensation for the work he's done to this point. But the drops continue to plague him in 2022. They go on to say, the first down pass which went off his hands resulted in a Mitch Trubisky interception. Some are, some, some are saying the pass was thrown too hard, or not perfect, but I call BS on that. It should have been a catch. Johnson wanted to be paid like a top receiver. He now needs to add the production to back that up, and making the routine plays matters. Nobody in Pittsburgh is happy with these guys. Thrown a pair of punt return fumbles for wide receiver Gunnar Oshevsky, and you get the feeling the, steer, the Steelers overvalued the construction of their wide receiver room going into the draft and free agency this year. It's a boon for them that Pickens is showing life in his 100-yard game because as a position group, these guys suck, and I don't see them as being able to bail out this rookie. Also, as you can kind of guess from... Uh, Kenny Pickett's earlier stats, he's an aggressive quarterback. He's not content to matriculate his way down the field. He's a, he has a gunslinger mentality that's going to help him and also hurt him, especially going up against a Bills defense like ours. Like, it could either pay dividends or be an absolute disaster. Now, Chris, how much, have you, how much do you think the line at the top of the show that we discussed is based on Pickett's rookie status? I would say all of it. Do you think that based on some of the stuff Brett laid out in his video and the fact that we don't have any tape on the kid, that maybe we're underestimating him a little bit? Maybe so is Vegas. No. I don't, th- I don't think so. I mean, it's going to be harder. If you're, I wouldn't bet on this game at all. You probably shouldn't, and a big reason for that is going to be what we're going to kick this off with as far as our keys to victory. Wow, it's a lot of keys. Bigger the keychain, more powerful the man. This game's really simple, and we can fly through this. The first one's going to be you got to slow down Pickett's processing. The Bills, maybe more than any other team in the AFC, are uniquely built and schemed to play first-timers in the NFL. We have safeties that, even without Mike Hyde, can can move around the football field. I mean, we saw some of it from DeMar Hamlin and Jordan Poyer. Chris, were you surprised to see DeMar Hamlin get the start over Jaquan Johnson? Uh, yeah, he's like, what do I know? What do, what do I know? They're both young, haven't played a whole ton of starting snaps, so who gives a shit? Whoever McDermott thinks is up for the task, start him. To me, I think it was, hey, DeMar Hamlin's good against the run. 
we don't think they're going to challenge us down the field with any of these receivers. We trust our defensive line to make sure they don't have the opportunity to to test us deep. They traded away their deep threat, Hollywood Brown. So let's play a DeMar Hamlin, and it paid dividends. That's the type of coaching, and that's the mentality, and that's the way we've developed our secondary, is that we have a Swiss Army knife back there. So whatever it is, right, whatever it is that he has at his disposal, McDermott's 7-2 and two against rookies when there isn't 40-mile-an-hour wins. Fuck Mac Jones and Bill Belichick forever for that Monday Night Football game. I won't acknowledge that 7-3. and three. I won't. The reality is that we have probably the most multifaceted safety group of any team in the AFC. Probably of any team Pickett's going to see this season as the starter for the Steelers. So in that way, we have all kinds of games we can run in the front seven, things we can do pre-snap, we can shift looks. That's going to be the way you beat Kenny Pickett. You... This kid, when he sees what you can do, his athleticism in the pocket, he diagnoses and he moves from boom, 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 okay, first read, second read, third read. You saw it during the Jets game. And he'd sneak away from pressure, bootleg, and then just throw into traffic because he's that confident he can pull it off. You know what slows that confidence down, Chris? Is when he doesn't even know what the hell the play is. When you show him zero blitz like we did to Lamar Jackson, a couple times where you show zero blitz and then you drop out into your normal cover too. You have the athleticism in your front seven and your safety group to do that. They have to exploit that routinely against this kid. Keep him guessing, slow his processing down. You do that. This offensive line is not built to withstand to sustain pass rush the way we have our, I'll say this, Chris, even if, Jordan Phillips doesn't play. Even if Ed Oliver doesn't play for another consecutive week. I'm comfortable with where our pass rush and our pressure packages are at. I think that they could absolutely destroy this kid if they just do what McDermott has done and disguise the pre-snap look and then use the athleticism of your safety group to then change the formation afterwards and make him think on the fly. It'll be his first real start, his first real taste of, hey, they've game-planned for me. They've seen tape on me. Who do you think comes out on top in this one, in that respect? Kenny Pickett or Sean McDermott? McDermott. Okay. On offense, the Bills just need to attack the Steelers' linebackers. It's the weakest part of their entire team. Like, they've got capital tied up in it, but it doesn't matter. These are guys... Remember when we had A.J. Klein and uh, Terrell Dodson in that Miami game but back 2020 <laughs> 2020 the COVID year there we just decimated their team and then they made a comeback in the second half because Ryan Fitzpatrick picked on those guys well that's what they have now at linebacker just stiff guys who are bad at zone coverage their instincts in that way aren't good because they're supposed to be downhill players and now you're asking him to stand there and watch the traffic in front of him. It's going to be a disaster. So in that way, you do more of what you did in the second half against the Ravens. That's the game plan that's going to win you this one. Attacking their linebackers, both with the running back in space on some design screens, some of the stuff we did, the tunnel screens we did late. Like those linebackers are going to struggle to cover over there. 
you're also going to be able to get Daw- like this is a Dawson Knox game if I ever saw one because none of these guys can run with him in space. Devin Bush is an in the box player. Miles Jack is an in the box linebacker. They don't have any safeties with any supreme athleticism. This is a game where you should be able to turn to a guy like Dawson Knox and say, you're going to be our weapon of the day. We're going to stress what they're doing on defense, and the second that they respect you, that's when we're going to hit them with digs. That's when we're going to hit them with the running back screens. That's when the rest of this whole offense opens up. Now, Chris, I asked you before the show to get your draft app out because we've gotten away from doing predictions. It's actually not a draft app. It is draft a app. betting app. Betting app. Whatever called the fuck Draft Kings. Called Draft Kings. Draft. App. Does that date me? Like, am I now the old man? Yeah. Should I get some Velcro shoes? Because I called it the Draft app. Yeah. <laughs> what are the Bills' prop bets available for this game? Well, like, what kind of? What are you looking for? Anytime touchdown score. Khalil Shakir. Is there anything in there for him? Uh, let's see. Uh, touchdown scores. Any time to touch for a touchdown, Khalil Shakir plus two ten. Two ten to score a touchdown. Okay. So I wanna go back. Just I wanna go back and I wanna take a look at this because last week Khalil Shakir only had two catches. Well he didn't get into the game until late because of the injuries. This week he's probably gonna play a larger role, wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Okay. Or at least he should. I think that he more so than any rookie, (laughs) maybe Kair Elam, but on the offense, any offensive rookie, he's acclimated himself well. So in that way, let's talk about, first of all, do you think he'll score a touchdown? I mean, it's hard to come by, especially as a rookie in this offense because Josh Allen has his guys he's comfortable with, especially in the red zone. I don't... I don't know because we haven't seen him outside of a half of football. Okay. So you don't know what his use is going to be in in the offense on Sunday. Okay. So I did see a report that he left practice to go catch passes in the stadium. Yes. Now, his yards before the catch this past weekend were negative two. Negative two. Which tells you exactly what they, they... They were like, listen, if you don't get this, somebody else will be there. To, we're we're going to set up a screen. Someone will be there, or you're going to drop it, and it won't kill us. We're going to throw a screen pass. It'll be fine. And see what you can do with it. The fact that he turned both of those completions into first downs, like two catches, two first downs, 23 yards. He is at plus 1,000 for first touchdown scorer. What do you want to wager on Khalil Shakir? Because he's injury. He's he's interesting to me. I mean, I would, I would, I wouldn't mind sprinkling some cheddar on him for any time touchdown. Okay. The if I'm going to go for a prop bet that is very intriguing, that's plus three eighty, that I think it could happen. Defensive touchdown. Whoa. Do you want to put a Seagrams on a defensive touchdown? Because I don't think they'll do it. I think they'll get I'm, turnovers. I just don't think it'll be a touchdown. Because that's a lot. Like, Matt Milano has been a, a turnover like generator. I Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, and yet... I would only Micah cons- Hyde and Jordan Poyer 
I don't think they have a ton of what. Uh, I'd only Jordan consider Boyer it. has one pick six, I think, in his career for the Bills. I can Teron only. Johnson has a couple. Yeah, definitely, Teron Johnson has one. Yeah, he definitely has one. The the way I look at it is, you have Kenny Pickett making his first ever start, and he's got to be on the road here, and he's got to go up against the McDermott and Frazier led defense. Now I know that we're missing, you know, Trey White, Micah Hyde. I think there might be some confusion where there could be a pick six. All right. I'm going to put a Seagram's on it. It won't happen. I I'm, can't agree to that because I'm just saying that's a... Oh, come on. We got to wager a little that, something. Here. Let's make... Okay, fine. Khalil Shakir, under over. His yardage this week was 23. Under over 40. I would go... 39 and a half, we'll call it. I would go over. You're going to take over? Yeah. See, I like that one, too. <laughs> what are some of the other prop bets? What do you got here? Uh, I did see plus 600 for Kenny Pickett to score a touchdown. Uh, let's see. Uh, rush yards, Devin Singletary over 53.5, minus 105. Well, these are the strange betting nuances of this entire game, right? And this is what this is why I like looking at this stuff. I see these stats. This comes from BetMGM. The Bills have run fifty-five point seven percent of their offensive plays in their opponent's side of the field, best in the NFL. The Steelers have allowed their opponents to run fifty-two point two percent of their plays in enemy territory, tied for worst in the NFL. One of those two things has to give. At the same time, the Bills are 10-1 and one when rushing for 120 or more yards since the 2021 season. Fourth best in the league. The Steelers give up 144, which is second worst in football. So you think like, okay, that's good. This bodes well. If the Bills can't pull that off, they're winless when they rush for less than 100, going back to the start of the 2021 season, which is worst in the league. Do you think the Bills will rush for more or less than 120 yards? I would say less. You think it's going to be a passing game? Yeah, I mean, I. I'll take I'll take that one. Seagram's on it. All right. Seagram's on the fact that the Bills will rush as a team for more than 120 yards. Yeah, under. I, was, I think also think the Steelers... That were, took some work. I had to get you into that one. We could have just gone Steelers on the spread. <laughs> I think the Steelers will cover. Oh, Steelers will cover easy. I'm not dumb. Like I said at the top of the show, they have covered that like, 13 and a half, and they covered it in the Super Bowl. That was with Neil O'Donnell. In a game where they weren't great. Yeah. <laughs> in a game where they weren't great, they still covered. I st- Chris, this this game should be, if the Buffalo Bills are the team that we think they are... Should be a party. This should be a party in the stadium. Yep. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, if you're a uh, Blue Jays fan, you'll leave at halftime. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, if they get to game three. But if... I mean, let's be honest. Get there early. 53-30, Big Tree Road, the mud lot. Come party with us. We'll be there. It's going to be my first tailgate getting there before sunup. God, I missed this shit. Yep. Woo! 
Folks, I'm fired up. I can't wait. I can't wait to see you out there. But for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. And this has been your Week 5 Preview.